I'm in a, a weird but good place today. And uh, there's not going to be any scripture up there because I'm going to read a lot of it. And I'm going to read some of it quick and I'll jump back and forth. But all of it's going to be in the first, within the first three chapters of Revelations. It's the last book of the Bible. And it's before all of the real crazy stuff. So don't worry. Um, but <laughs> the series that we're in is... is, is the, the idea, the, the thing that I felt like the Lord laid on our hearts to do is just to really look at the reality of the way the church is supposed to work. The way the ecclesia, the movement, not pursuit, uh, not the church down the road, not the church you grew up in, uh, not institutional religion, especially not denominations, how they're supposed to run, uh, but, but how Jesus's movement that he called the church or the ecclesia, the movement, the gathering of people that surrounds and gathers together in one name and one idea. And that is, in this case, his movement is surrounds around the reality that he is the son of the living God, the savior of the world. He is Jesus. And, and there is a very powerful way that God operates. And from Genesis to Revelation, we see very clearly the way that God operates the way that God works, the way that God moves, the way that God leads. Uh, and, and Jesus said some very specific and very powerful things about this movement, about this gathering of people, about this, this promised church. Uh, and he basically started the whole thing off with, I will be the one who builds the church. In Matthew chapter 16, he said, I will build my church and it will be so strong and it will be so powerful that not even the gates of Hades and death and hell and all those things combined will be able to overpower, will be able to stop it. And we, we look at that and it's powerful and it's, it's one of those things that you can have a moment with. You can shout and you can scream and you can get people worked up and you can, you know, not even the gates of hell will overpower us. But the the reality of what we miss is the, is the first part. I will build the church. I will build the church. I, I will build it. I will construct it. I'm the one who's designed it. I know the way that it works, and I'm going to be the one that builds it. And I, I need to be very, very clear. It does not say, I will work out a design and then hand it to you, and you get to work on the design that I created. That's one thing. That's not what he says, though. He says, I am the one. I will build it. I've got the design, I've got the way it works, I know how it's supposed to work, and I'm the one that's going to build it. And I'm going to be the one that builds a church. I'm going to be the one that builds it up. I'm going to be the one that strengthens it. I'm going to be the one that leads it. I'm going to be the one that guides it. I'm going to be the one. This movement, it, it's too big, it's too powerful, it's too divine, it's too holy for a singular person or even a singular group of leaders or a singular group. This thing, is it, it's, it's global, it's universal, it's unstoppable, it's forever. Once it begins, when I, when I come conquer sin on the cross and death through the resurrection, when I do that and this movement begins, once it begins, it will never, ever, ever end. There is no man, there is no woman, there is no denomination, there is no one group, there is nothing. There's not been in the history of the church all the way up till now that can handle the reality of building, strengthening, and managing that type of movement. It just can't happen. It's impossible. But the problem is, and I understand it. I'm not judging it. I understand it because I've walked in it. I've struggled with it. There's still time to times when I struggle with this idea is that we read things like that. It's as plain as day. It's as clear as day. But then because we, it's so difficult for us to fathom a, an invisible God when we are surrounded by the visible things that he created, that it's so hard for us to operate in the world of the seen things in the way of a God who is unseen. It's just very difficult. 
It's very difficult to learn how to walk in that and work in that and live in that and go by that way. And so what we do is it's not, and and I want you to remember, the entire message today is about the church, the big C church. It's about the people who follow Jesus. It's that movement. It's not people who don't know Jesus. It's not people that are lost. It's not people who don't believe. It's about the people whose faith is in Christ. It's about the church. But the problem is, is even for people whose faith is in Jesus, or faith was once in Jesus, even somebody that is truly a follower of Christ, it's still very difficult. And it's not that you don't want to follow Jesus. It's not that you're a horrible, wicked person. It's not that, it's not that you're weak and you're faithless and all of that, maybe sometimes. But, but at the end of the day, it's just very, 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 very difficult to understand and walk in a world and a system and a church and a movement built and structured the way that Jesus built and structured it. And so what we do as people is we cry out for practicality. And, and I, I love practicality. I'm a very practical person in many ways. I believe in practical things. And I, and I want you to understand the definition of practical. It's, it's the idea of, of, of working a, a physical work, solving a problem, not a theoretical idea. So it's give me the steps that I can do to accomplish something. That's practical. I don't want to sit around and, and sip on coffee and sip tea and the, uh, theorize about something that may happen or something that may work. We want practical. We want give me practicality in my marriage. Give me practicality in the church. Give me practicality in the movement. Give me what I can do. But the problem is, is what we really mean sometimes. Because sometimes we say a thing, but even though we say a thing, we don't actually mean what we say. We're actually saying something different. And, and this is one of those times, I think, for the modern church. We say, give me something practical. Give me something that I can do. And what we're really saying is, give me something that I can do outside of God and outside of the ways of God. Give me something I can do within my own power. Give me something that works within my realm of intelligence, my realm of wisdom, my realm of logic. Give me a one, two, three step plan. Give me an A, B, C, and I'll get to D. Give me, give me, this, give me this thing but make sure, when you say practical, but make sure it's something that, that, that I can do that makes sense to me, that I can just wake up and get it done. And the disconnect, listen, the disconnect is that when we, we, we believe that practical means it's something we can do with our own power, but the way that Jesus designed it and the way that Jesus says it's very practical would be to do things that are not in our power, but it's still practical. Do things that we don't have the ability to do. Be a part of something that, that we don't, that we, there is not a, a one, there is a one, two, three. There is, but it involves uh, working in a realm that doesn't make sense in our humanistic modern minds. And so many times in the church, we, we settle because it's so difficult to move the way God said move. It's so difficult to lean on him the way it says. It's so difficult to, for the human mind, the human heart, and all of our weaknesses and all of our struggles to really practically lean on, depend on, and follow and work within the plan that Jesus Christ created. And I want to talk about that on a big level. I want to talk about that on a global level, on a universal level, on our, our church, our movement, our level, on, on what God is doing and the way that he builds the church and moves the church. The number one thing that you got to understand about the church is that it takes a lot to reach a lot of people. Just in this little old town, uh, there's like 20,000 people just in Denver now, not to mention all the little surrounding areas. There's not enough seats for them. This idea that, that God's going to raise up 
one particular person or one particular movement to accomplish it is foolishness and it's grounded in ignorance and pride. The reality of it is, is God has been moving since the day the tomb was empty and he's never stopped. The reality of it is, is that although in America the church is dying, although in America it seems to be powerless, although in America there seems to be a huge uh, wall between his people and him and the power seems to vanquish uh, in communist China, in different places in Africa, and different places in India, right now, in this very moment, right now, the church is expanding at lightning fast paces because they don't have anything between them and God because they can't. They have nothing to depend on. They have no systems. They, they have no denominations uh, laying out, this is how the church is supposed to work. They have nobody coming in and giving you books outside of the Bible explaining to you their version and their perspective of the Bible. And basically, oh, never mind, never mind. I'm staying away from that. I was about to, I was about to, no, not yet. That's in a few weeks. They don't have anything. All they have is God. They don't have a choice. All they can do is read the Bible, believe it, and then live it out. That is the greatest weakness and foolishness and sin of the modern American church is that somewhere along the lines we quit reading it and doing it. And you're looking for something great and powerful and practical and give me something, some great philosophical, give me some great thing. Here's, here's the great thing, and it's so simple, it's so easy. Uh, you starve to death because you don't eat food. You thirst to death because you don't drink water. It's not complex. If you're hungry, you eat. If you're thirsty, you drink. The reality of it is, is that we are dying. We're dying spiritually. And we have everything we would ever need in Scripture and in Jesus and in the Spirit and in the power. But we, for whatever reason, continue to pull to other things that we can make sense of. And it'll be the death of us. It'll be the spiritual death of us. And now I'm going to preach. In Revelations, Jesus comes in. I'm going to tell you something about this, and this, you need to hear this. this is, I believe every single word is inspired and divine and, and without error, inspired by God through the Holy Spirit. I believe it 100%. But there's, there's something unique about the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, and Revelation, I just need you to understand what Revelation means. Revelation just means that there's something there and it's uncovered. There's a truth, there's an idea, there's a knowledge, there's a reality that you can't see. And to have a revelation is that it's not that it didn't exist and then it existed. It's already there, you're just too blind to see it. And when you have a revelation, God peels back the blindness and lets you see the reality of what it is. And the first sentence of the book is the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John. This particular book is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The perspective that we have, and this is very, very, very important that you understand. Your perspective of Jesus is absolutely worthless. The only perspective of Jesus that has any credence and any power is his own perspective of himself. Because you are a human being. I'm a human being. And all of the humans who ever lived throughout history, if we all got together and we used the greatest minds and the greatest imagination and we tried to design a perspective of Jesus, it would come up short of his true greatness, his true power, and his true glory. 
The only one that can know the true depth of Jesus is Jesus. And so when he comes and he's given you this revelation, uh, this, is, this is Jesus saying, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I look like. This is how I operate. This is what the church is. This is what, this is what the system, this is the manner. This is what it is right here. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter how far you've come. Doesn't matter what you grew up with. Doesn't matter all the alternate perspectives. The reality of it is, is that Jesus Christ himself came to give us a revelation to uncover knowledge and truth and reality about himself and about the way that he operates in this earth and within his church, specifically in the first three chapters. And then it gets crazy. And I don't blame you to quit at three for a while. But it's Jesus saying, this is what is, this is what will be, and this is what eternity will look like. And he addresses the, the, the church era. And there's so much that you could preach. I mean, you could do an entire series, and I probably will do a series in the, out of the seven churches that he talks about here in the fall. There's countless stuff, so don't get mad at me if... if I read something that's epic, powerful, and a super great point, and it's very normal, and everybody talks about it and preaches about it, and I don't address it. Uh, I, I'm not, I can't preach the whole Bible in one Sunday. And I'm not going point by point in the letters of, of what he's actually saying to the specific churches. What my heart is and what I feel like the Lord is leading us to today is to look at the way at which Jesus builds and manages his church. Jesus builds and manages his church. This is what he does. He comes to John. Uh, and he says, I'm the Alpha, because he shows up, John freaks out, as you would if you saw the glorified Jesus. It's been a long time since John saw Jesus, and he looks a little different than he did on the cross. And so he kind of just falls, and this is what he says. He says, I'm the Alpha. This is Jesus. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother, fellow partaker in the tribulation and the kingdom and the perseverance which are in Jesus on the island called Patmos because the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet saying, write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Theatra, Thyroid, I don't know, and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet and girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. This dude is bad. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand, he held the seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. Thank God that he explains this stuff. When I saw him, I, this is John, I fell at his feet like a dead man and he placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, the living one. I was dead and behold, I'm alive for, forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Therefore, write things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after these things. As for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels or the messengers of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So he gives this imagery to paint this very powerful picture and I have to clear something up really fast. I know that it says angels of the seven churches, but that word in the Hebrew just, or in the Greek and Hebrew, it just means messenger. And it can be translated as a divine messenger in the form of an angel or a human messenger in the form of a man or a woman. And I just need to do some simple, real fast, because there are a few 
people who believe that this is the angel. God, Jesus didn't show up in a crazy powerful way on the island of Patmos to tell John to write a letter to send it to a celestial being. Okay, what's his address? I'm serious. Okay, it's, it, this is the leaders of the churches. Jesus is very practical. He's, it's the seven leaders of the seven churches. And all of these churches, Ephesus, uh, Smyrna, Pergamum, uh, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, they're all in Turkey. They're all together. And he, he's addressing them. And what I want you to see, and I'm going to read one really fast. I want to just mess the whole day up and read all of them, but I can't do that. But I want to read one really fast. And each word is obviously significantly powerful, but I, I, what I want you to see is the pattern and the reality at which the way Jesus is building and leading and structuring and strengthening the church. So this is the letter. He says, to the angel or to the messenger of the church in Ephesus, write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand or the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know your deeds. I know your deeds. I know your actions. I know the things you've been doing. I know the things that you do well. I know the things you've been struggling with. He says, I know your toil and I know your perseverance. I know that you can't, this is specifically to Ephesus. You can't tolerate evil men. You put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you've found them false and you have perseverance and you have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. So the first thing he says, listen, I, I, I know you. I know your actions. I know your deeds. I know why you do what you do. I see what you're going through. I see what you're struggling with in Ephesus, in your context, in your reality. I see the struggle. I see the good things you do. I see it. He encourages them. And he says, you, you don't tolerate evil and wicked teachers and evil and wicked men. Uh, you've got good things and you need to grow in these things and you need to strengthen these things. And then Jesus does this thing that we don't like that he does. Then he said, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds which you did at first or else I am coming. Now, this is just listen to me. This isn't, this isn't TV Jesus. This isn't prosperity Jesus. This is, this is the reality of Jesus. I have this against you. You've lost your first love. Repent, turn from it. If you don't, I am coming to you and I will remove your lampstand, which is the church, out of its place unless you repent. So if you work, if you have a job, if you work for somebody or you manage people, you're in leadership, you know this. This is basically an evaluation. This is a quarterly evaluation. I see the things you've been doing well. I see the things and the strength. I see what you're going through. I see the struggle. I see that you're persevering, but I do have this thing against you. You've lost your first love. You're not loving people anymore. He paints the pictures that they've just walked into a religious, pharisaical society, and they're just being very, very judgmental and dogmatic and difficult, and they've lost the love of God and the love of people. And he says, come back to that. Or, now listen, this is the part nobody likes. And this is, if you're a first-time guest, you know, and somebody told you that, you know, I was a prosperity preacher because preachers tell about me all the time, and I know they've never even heard me preach, not even once, because I've got a lot of issues, but that super ain't one of them. This is probably going to shock you, but that I would say this, that somebody would say this about Jesus, the little baby Jesus and his little golden baby diapers and his little fluttering wings and the, and the peaceful little picture with the lamb and the thing on the wall. No, his eyes are like fire and he's got a sword in his hand and he, he holds all of the universe and he's in control and he's God and he's the creator and he's righteous and he's just. 
and he's holy and he's powerful and he's in charge and he's in control and he's the builder and he's the one that strengthens and he's the one that endures. And he says, I need you to understand. I see what's happening. I'm here to support you. I'm here to lead you. I'm here to guide you. I see the details of what you specifically, this church is going through. I see the good things that you do, but I've got this thing against you. And this thing against you, it's killing you. It, it, it's messing you up. It, 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 it's causing you to mimic something that's not really there. And I'm giving you time to repent and I'm leading you and I'm speaking to you and I'm drawing you away in the spirit of God is there to convict you and to bring you back. But if you don't, I will come myself and I will shut the church down. Now listen, somebody's going, uh, did he just say Jesus was going to kill the church? Yes. Yeah. He says, I'll come, I'll take the light out, I'll scatter the flock and I'll move it. He goes, you don't want to be a light in the darkness anymore. You don't want to be a city on a hill. You don't want to be the salt of the earth. I'll come and I'll shut it down. This is important and I need you to hear me. In the, in the, in, in the pattern of this, all throughout each, each letter, this is the pattern. It's the details of specifically in their context, what they're struggling with, what they're going through, the good things that they're doing, the things they need to strengthen, the things they need to work on. And then he gives them discipline and an idea of pruning, an idea of, 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 of a consequence. I know in our culture, that's a, that's a cuss word, consequence. Consequence. Consequence for my actions, for my deeds, for my foolishness. And then he comes behind it and he gives them significant encouragement. And he says in the temporary and the eternal, he lays out these blessings and he lays out what he'll do and he'll lay out what, what is good and what is great. But the thing that I want you to see and the thing I think the Lord wants us to see and recognize and acknowledge this morning is the way at which Jesus and his spirit is involved in the church. He's so involved in the specific church that he sees what's happening and he's giving you guidance and leadership and what to change and what to strengthen. And then he's proving the power that he has when he says, if you do not heed my word, if you do not repent, if you do not turn back, I will come and I will take, remove the lampstand from its place. I'll turn the light off. I'll shut the church down. I'll break it up. I'll destroy it. I'll move it on because my church is unstoppable. And when you stop being unstoppable, you're no longer my church. So if I have to shuffle up some things and have a plant shut down and move you and start over again in an area, I'll do that. This is why I say all the time that God doesn't do the next thing. He does a new thing. And this is the reality of the church. And if you go through history, so much of the time you see God move, you see revival, you see a spirit move, you see lives change, you see it. And then as it goes, as it structures, people start trying to control it. People start trying to put systems in place that make sense. People start trying to create theology and doctrine that, that, that alter it just enough to take the power away of it. We start putting things in place to where God is no longer the one that leads. God is no longer the one that guides. God is no longer the one that, that, that pushes forward. God is no longer the one that moves the mountains. God's no longer the one that makes the big decisions. God's no longer the one that reveals that, that we put it in the hands of people. We put it in the hands of men and women. We put it in the hands of committees. We put it in the hands of denominations. We put it in the hands of seminaries. This is the thing, and I want you to understand the reality because I am a practical guy, and I am a numbers guy, and I firmly believe that numbers never lie, and what I need you to understand right right now that all throughout this country there's more denominational sex uh there's more sex s-e-c-t-s -E people are like denominations can have what uh, 
There's more denominational sections. There's more institutions. There's more seminaries. There's more theological professors than ever in the history of the world in this country right now. There's more people enrolled in all of these religious institutions, yet the American church is at the weakest state it has ever been. Hey, in the back. Get my book bag. There's a red marker back there and bring that board out. Can you hear me? I don't care. I hear him moving. Find the red marker. Just wait. I'll go get it. I don't care. I got to share this. See, I told you this series was going to be cool. Because if you didn't think I cared a month ago, I don't care at all anymore. Did you find my red marker? Yeah. Oh. Hey, I need you to stand here and tell a joke because this isn't my red marker. I'll be right back. <laughs> It'll be okay, guys. All right, I'm back. I need you to hold it. I tried to erase it beforehand, but it was dead. It won't come off. It's good. Just hold it. You're big and strong. See how all those cowards in the back sent the new guy out? <laughs> I can just, I can see it. Taylor and Caleb were like, oh, oh, get that. Get out there. Is that what happened? No. No, no I don't know. I was almost, I want to show you something. And, and this, uh, this marker spoke to me this week. And I haven't been able to get out of my head. And, um, and I just want to share it with you. The reality of these, these markers is that they are markers. <laughs> and they have a very distinct purpose uh, to write. And if you were just to hold these markers and look at these markers, they look exactly the same. Except that they're different colors. They both have tops. Uh, they, they both have tips, and, and, and they both say Expo on the sides, and they're the same company, they're the same brand, they're, they're the same everything. Uh, they look the same, they feel the same. I'm sure if you were to lick it, it would probably taste the same. <laughs> but I, I want you to come up here into the light, come out of the darkness, my son. <laughs> and I want... It, it, and the way that it's supposed to work is just to just, it, I know this is crazy. This is the way a marker is supposed to work. Did you guys see that? Did you see it? Yeah, clap for me. That's good. I'm going to show you this marker. Now, again, this, there's, there's nothing different about these markers on the outside at all. But you take this marker, and 
Hang on, let me keep trying. Maybe I, maybe I need to bear down harder. Look, put it down, we gotta get a grip, there we go. Teamwork, teamwork makes the dream work. Hey, will somebody come help me hold it? Somebody who's not embarrassed. Come on, Donna. Yeah, you too, John. All right, guys, we're going to do this thing. You can leave. <laughs> and as dumb as that was, I wanted you to never forget what I'm about to tell you. There's a whole lot of churches. There's a whole lot of religious sections and institutions there's a whole lot of seminary and there's a whole lot of people calling themselves pastors and preachers and leaders and prophets and all this stuff. And they all look the same and they come from the same place on some level and they even go through the same actions and they even sing the same songs and they do a lot of extremely similar things but at the end of the day, when they go to be who they were supposed to be and operate the way they were supposed to operate and do the thing, they work and 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 they, work and they, they, they get teams of people and they, they use strength and they use intelligence and they use wisdom and they keep trying to figure it out and they keep strategizing and they keep trying to go and they keep trying to move and they, keep, and they work hard and they work hard and they work hard and they work hard and they work hard. But nothing ever truly comes of it. And they spend their whole life looking like something that's supposed to write a story. But then when they, years and years go by and they look back, there's no words to prove that they were ever doing a thing at all. And, and I know that people want, I know that people want like some, some deep like, like light bulb piece of knowledge that's just going to open it up and set it all free that people want you know there's going to be one message one day that comes along and and it's going to spark revival there's going to be one song that gets written there's going to be one service so there's going to be one conversation there's going to be there's going to be a guy that shows up at some point there's going to be a woman that shows up at some point there's going to be a book that comes out there's going to be there's going to be there's going to be a, a professor that can finally start there's going to be a seminary that's built up there's going to be a college there's going to be a university there's going to be and, the, and, I, and I need you to understand I need you to understand there is only one thing one thing and it's the thing that has always been, it's the thing that is, and it's the things that will always be, and that is Jesus Christ and His Spirit that is on this earth and within each side of each one of us. 
And I'm telling you right now, and you hate me for saying it, but the, uh, for so many of us, not just on a spiritual level, on a, in, a, in, in your day-to-day life, you're, you're, you're doing your best. And, and, you, and, you're do, and you're probably doing a pretty good job at wasting your life. You really are. I mean, you're doing a fantastic job. You're doing a fantastic job coming up with wins and trying to achieve them. You're doing a fantastic job trying to figure things out in the realm of the scene and the temporary things. You've got a lot of strategy and a lot of experience and a lot of stuff and a lot, and, you know, and, and you're, probably, you're probably working very, 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 very hard. And you may not realize it right now because you're in the process of just trying so hard to do a God thing without God that you don't realize that what happened to this mark is the same thing that's going to happen to you. Eventually, you're just going to break. And you're going to come to the realization that you can't do a God thing without God. And by a God thing, I mean life. You can't do life without, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. You can't do marriage without God. You can't raise kids without God. You definitely can't plant churches without God. And you can't have life change without God. Sinners can't get saved without God. Marriages can't be restored without God. Drug addicts can't be set free without God. And the thing that I've learned through the course of my life is I'm charismatic enough that I, I, I could probably always be surrounded by a little bit. And I'm not being arrogant. I mean, I'm just, I'm just I, I was born, God made me the way that I am to stand on a stage and to communicate with people. And I realized a long time ago that that there's a lot of things that you can do in the, with human power. But none of it is real. None of it's effective. And the closer I get to God, the more I realize how all I really am and all we really are is a vessel. And what really matters is the power that's on the inside. And if you don't have the power on the inside, you don't have anything. You don't have anything. And, and on, a, on a church level, on a big sea level, on the movement, the ecclesia, Jesus said, I will build my church. And throughout the New Testament, he shows us the very practical ways that he does that, but none more clear than this right here. This is the reality of who Jesus is. He says, I'm standing amongst the church. It says that he sits at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding, but he's not just interceding randomly. He is involved. His spirit is here. He knows what you're, he knows what Ecclesia was going through and he knew what Sardis was going through and he knew what Philadelphia was going through and he knows what pursuit's going through. He knows what our community's going through. He knows the struggles of this area. He knows the things that we do well. He knows the things that, that we don't. He knows the things that we struggle with. He knows the idols of our hearts in this area. He, he knows the strongholds that exist. He knows the culture and he knows what we go through and he's got a lot of things that he would encourage us with and he's always gonna have things that we need to work on and get better. But the, the thing that I need you to see about this, the reality of what it shows is that it's the spirit of Jesus Christ at work in the church that makes it the movement. Your body without the spirit is dust waiting to die. This building without the spirit is four walls and a ceiling. But when you have the spirit of God, truthfully, 
It's effortless. When you just let what's in, what he places inside of us connect with him, it becomes effortless. The reason why so many pastors and church leaders and church people burn out and have significant anxiety and then just walk away from the ministry altogether is because they spend their life trying to build it when they are not the builder. They're the daggum hammer. They're the nails. They're the tools. Hammer don't have to do anything but let the builder swing. A nail doesn't have to do anything but let the build hit it. And, and, and what Jesus is saying, and, and this is the part where I start off with the practical. Jesus is saying, I'm here. I want to lead. I want to empower. I want to give you the clarity. I want to give you the warnings. He gave them warnings. He went to one church and he said, I know you're struggling and I know it's bad, but I need you to know that Satan himself is coming to you. He's going to grab some of you. He's going to throw you into prison and some of you will die. And he said, but be faithful unto death and I will raise you forever on the last day. I mean, he wants to come and, and be a part of it. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced that somewhere along the lines, as a big C church, especially in this modern country, we walked away from the reality of Jesus. And we fell into the theology and the idea and the philosophy of Jesus. And we forget that he is a living king whose eyes are like fire with a sword in his mouth who always has been is right now and will always be that he's the builder that he's the one who strengthens it he's the one who leads and he's the one who guides he still speaks he's still God he's God and we need him we need him this thing this thing that is taking place we're just one very small minuscule part of this 2,000 year old movement of Jesus and he wants to lead us and be a part of this. And I am convinced that if even just a few of us will humble ourselves fully under that reality and hunger after the reality of Jesus and not the idea of him, the reality that Jesus is in the room right now. The spirit of God is in the room right now. The God who created you is in this room right now. He's with us. And he knows what you're struggling with and he knows what you're going through and he knows what we are and he knows what's to come and he knows what he's raised us up for in this moment, in this time, in this season. And we need him. We need him in a practical way. But a practical way doesn't mean doing it outside of God and God's ways in my realm. I think that this is as practical as it ever gets. Jesus exists. He is the all-powerful, all-knowing, limitless God of the universe. And his spirit is here on this earth and within each side of all of us. And he's the one leading and building this thing. And he'll speak. And when he speaks, then we follow it. And because it's his idea, it's his responsibility. And he'll keep expanding it. And more importantly than a church growing, lives will continue to change. And I believe, even in this modern age, I still believe we serve a God of miracles. I believe that we serve a God that has all the power in the world. I believe that we serve a God that raised the dead and has never quit raising the dead. I believe we serve a God that will open up blind eyes. I believe we serve a God that if you will humble himself before you, that, that, that he will actually raise you up and pluck you out of the darkness that you're in and do great and mighty things in your life. I believe that, we're, this is the, that we serve the living God, a God that is alive. 
a God that is on the move, a God that is knocking on doors and just waiting for somebody to open it, that we serve a God who from day one, he promised, he said, you will do even greater things than I have done as a whole, as a collective group, as the church. I'm telling you right now, it's not that Jesus quit being Jesus. It's that the church quit operating like the church. It's not that Jesus quit speaking. It's that his people quit listening. It's not that the Holy Spirit quit empowering and changing lives. It's that we've chose systems and organization over the power of the Holy Spirit. What I'm telling you is, is that God is God. He's always been God. He will always be God. Lord Jesus is the King of the universe and we need him like we need nothing else in this life. If you want to experience a life worth living, you will need Jesus Christ, the fullness of his spirit at the head, leading you, guiding you, disciplining you, pruning you, loving you, empowering you, and building you up. You need Jesus. You don't need religion. You don't need another preacher. You don't need another prophet. You don't need another denomination. You don't even need another church. You don't even need the foot. You need Jesus. You need Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. You need Jesus. And the pattern that we see in the church over and over and over and over again is that Jesus starts to move and somewhere along the way we quench the movement of Jesus because we start trying to act like the builder instead of the hammer and the nails. Because we start thinking it's about us or we start thinking we've we've got some realm of intelligence. We are foolish. We are wicked. We are helpless. We are not enough without the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. Period. That's the end of the discussion. That's it. That's it. And without him, we have nothing. And I don't know how long we'll keep preaching this idea, but I think I'm just going to preach it until he wrecks our world. How about that? How about that? I got to go. I love you guys on my heart. And I love what God is doing here. But it is God doing it. And you need that Jesus in real day-to-day life. You need to wake up and know that King Jesus wants to be with you, lead you, and guide you. It's that simple. If you're thirsty, drink before you thirst to death. If you're hungry, eat before you starve to death. If you're dry, jump in the pool. Jesus is waiting on you to make the move towards him because he has never left you. You guys will stay.